a little experience that I've found that I've truly enjoyed as a dad. You know, there's just perks of being a parent that I didn't I didn't appreciate as a kid. You know, my family had this little slogan that uh, if they were to ever buy like a treat for my my parents, you know, they would call it much too good for children. Um, and they would share the treats. And us kids, we were just on our own and we didn't get any of it. Um, but there's been times where Michaela and I might get, you know, ice cream or a treat and we'll bring it home and we'll put it in the cabinet. And it's in there because as soon as the kids go to bed, we're going to the kitchen and, and we're devouring. You know, there's been times that we've done that. I'm, I'm guilty of it. Um, it's just perks of being a dad, you know, and you can, you have that right. That right has been given to you. If you're here, uh, you, you can express that whenever you want, however you want. Um, but you know, there's been times where my girls find the treats and they try to get in them and Michaela has to tell them, Hey, those are your dads or those are not until after dinner. You know, they like to eat the desserts before dinner and uh, we try to encourage them. No, those for mommy or those are for daddy or you have to wait until you eat. One of the favorites in our home are double stuffed, only double stuffed Oreos. I don't like single stuffed. I don't like the other colors. I just like the double stuffed. That's it. So, uh, Pastor Appreciation Month's next month. Um, <laughs> no, really don't. I'm on a diet. I can't do it. But, but we do every now and then treat ourselves to a family pack. Just Michelle and I treat ourselves to a family pack of double stuffed. And the girls will go in and they'll try to get in them. And Michaela will tell them those are for after dinner. And they'll say, well, daddy was in there. And she will remind them, you know, and I stand behind her and she reminds them, well, your daddy is a grown man and the leader of this home. I'm, yeah, you know, I'm behind her. I'm, you tell her, I got that authority now. Um, <laughs> as I eat it, and I, you know, <laughs> look at my little girls, they're just crying. Um, but there's, what I realize is as a dad, I now have a, an authority that my kids don't have or even understand. And here's what I want to do today. I want us to look at this passage of scripture where the authority of Jesus is questioned and the, and the religious leaders don't quite understand why Jesus isn't quite the authority, maybe as I might with the snacks or with the goodies. But Jesus possesses an authority that the earthly minds just couldn't comprehend. And they were questioning him for numerous reasons, and we're going to dig into that. But we have to understand, as us as parents possess an authority over our children, and if you're a kid here, just realize you'll never understand it, and you'll hate it until you become an adult one day. And then you'll have an authority that you didn't really appreciate as a child, but you will cherish as an adult, and you will use it on, on, on the next generation as well. But Jesus possesses an authority. So we're in this series right now titled, I'm Glad You Asked. And these are questions that people asked Jesus, and he responded with very direct statements, or in this particular case, responds with a question. What we're trying to do over the next few weeks that we dig into these questions are, we are wanting to know how you and I are to live by Jesus' response. We are learning more of Jesus' character and his nature, and just more about who he is. If you remember last week, I told you, every time you read the Bible, you need to look for three things every time you read. Who is, what is God about? more about who God is and who I am to be. Who am I to be? So Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 23, and this is what the Bible says. When he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as, as he was teaching, and they said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus answered him, 
I also will ask you one question. And if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. He said, the baptism of John, where did it come? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then do you not believe him? Why then did you did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. So Jesus says, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So here we see, now this account is actually recorded in Mark chapter 11. It's also found in Luke chapter 20. And if you were to read through the gospel accounts, you're going to find numerous occasions where the religious leaders all come up to Jesus or they find him in a scene or he heals on the Sabbath. Or you remember the paralytic man that was raised down from the roof in Mark chapter 2? Four friends carry this paralyzed man. They lower him into the roof because there's no other way to get to Jesus. And, and Jesus is, is teaching and he's preaching and he's sharing the word of God with these people. And this man is lowered down before him. And if you remember in that story, Jesus says, what? Your sins are forgiven. Or there's numerous stories. John chapter 8, which is about the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. She was presented to Jesus and they present this woman who was caught in the very act of adultery and they asked him some questions. So here's what we have to understand. In Matthew 16, Matthew 19, Matthew 22, Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 12. I don't want you to read all these. These are just other accounts um, of Jesus being questioned of his authority or, or the religious leaders wanting to attack Jesus with questions or, or pondering thoughts. And we'll express why they did it here in a minute. And then we're going to go uh, for two big points at the end, why the authority that Jesus possesses is important for you and I. So uh, Mark 8, 10, and 12, Luke chapter 11, chapter 20, and John chapter 8. These are all numerous counts. And there's more out there that you will find that the religious leaders come up and they ask Jesus these questions. You know, and you can just picture these little, you know, slimy snakes coming up to Jesus all in, a, all in their little clique. You remember the high school cliques that, you've, that you despised in school? These are those people. They're coming up and, and they're asking Jesus, by what authority do you do these things? Because they really cared for the truth, Right? They really wanted to know. No. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at three reasons why they didn't, and we're just going to work through them quickly, just so you know that every time you read why they're questioning Jesus, what are they wanting to pull out of him, and why does Jesus respond sometimes maybe with a question of his own? If you remember the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, Jesus, he bent down and he wrote, I don't know what he wrote. The Bible doesn't say what he wrote. But he said to them, if you remember, the very first sermon I ever preached here as the official minister was about this very act. And I gave rocks to everyone. I gave everyone stones. And um, I was either going to get fired or hired on the same day. Uh, because I told everyone, if you are here without sin, throw your stones at this hundred-year-old pulpit, 100 year old pulpit that is cherished by everyone here. Uh, thank God no one threw any stones because I would have been fired and hired on the same day. Uh, but it all worked out. But if you remember that account, Jesus said, those who are here with, that have never sinned, throw your stone first. If you remember that account, they all dropped their stones and they walked away. What they wanted to do each and every time is they wanted Jesus to say something that would contradict the Mosaic law. They wanted Jesus to say something that would actually overstep his authority as a Jew against the Roman authorities that were over the people. 
Okay, so in this account in John chapter 8, when this woman is presented to Jesus, they wanted to know what he would say. Because if you read the Mosaic Law, this offense would lead to a death. It could lead to an execution. Now, if Jesus contradicts the law, then they have an offense to present to the Roman authorities. He's blaspheming, and he's a liar, he's a lunatic, therefore we ought to crucify him. If you read uh, about you know the governing authorities of the Roman Empire, you re- realize that they were the only that's the authority to actually order an execution. So they are wanting to pry something out of Jesus. Please contradict the law. Or please order this woman's execution. Therefore, we're going to go and we're going to run to the Roman authorities. And we're going to tell them that you're over here overstepping your authority and your boundaries. Therefore, we have another reason to present to the Romans a, a, an excuse or an offense to crucify him. And the third reason why they would always question his authority or maybe why they would ask these questions is because they really did not want to submit to him. Jesus did not come in the manner they were expecting, and he did not accomplish the work that was to be expected. If you remember throughout the Gospels, and you know, if you read all of the prophecies of Jesus, they were interpreting these prophecies as if Jesus was going to come and he was going to establish this group of people to be very prominent on the earth, and they were going to cast all the Romans out, and they were going to take back their land, and they were going to be the prominent power amongst the earth's people. But Jesus talked about his kingdom. Where was it never to be? Here. He always referenced his kingdom of out of the world or not here. And what we see in these, uh, these approaches by the religious leaders or these Jewish scholars, these lawyers, because they were so invested in the law, they were, they were termed lawyers. They wanted Jesus to just say something to contradict their law. They wanted Jesus to say something that would overstep his boundaries or his authority. And they wanted Jesus to be killed so they didn't have to submit. Or they wanted to be able to label him, consider him a complete lunatic. Someone who was out of his mind so that they would not actually have to submit to him. And and let's just face it, everybody you know that hates the gospel, everybody that you know that does not go to church and rejects the gospel, they look for every, every verse possible that contradicts the Bible, right? I mean, they're saying, well, back here, you know, and then over here, and they look for every reason to contradict the word. What they fail to realize is that the word actually interprets itself and that God gives spiritual mature people to interpret these biblical interpretations of itself. So whenever people say, well, the Bible contradicts itself, no, it actually doesn't. You can just remind them that, you know, you're going to pray for them and that the Bible never contradicts itself. The Bible always interprets itself in fullness because it is the word of our living God and God would never contradict himself and God would never compromise his word or his character. And what we do realize is that those same people that look for every contradiction in the Bible are the very same people who are looking for every excuse not to submit to Jesus. They're looking for every excuse not to submit. Well, I went through pain back here. Therefore, I'm going to use this as an excuse to not surrender my life to the Lord. Because if God was truly, they ask these same questions. If God was truly a good, good God, why is there so much pain? If God truly loved me, why do I have to endure this? And we look for, not us as Christians, I hope, but other people that reject the gospel are looking for every excuse to pin against the Lord that will prevent them from having to surrender to the Lord. And, And you see it just as the jewish religious leaders did then you see it today they will use every excuse possible they will give you every excuse possible as to why they failed to surrender their hearts to the lord 
why they failed to surrender their lives to the authority and the kingship that Jesus possessed. So for those of you who are here, I'm just going to ask one question to start and then we'll ask another one later. Do you believe the fullness of God's word? Okay. One or two. Just raise your hand. (laughs) Now I'm going to ask a second question. Do you truly believe every word that Jesus spoke to be true? Amen. So they're questioning Jesus' authority. They're wanting to pin everything against him. They're wanting every excuse not to surrender to him or to give him the proper respect or authority on this earth that he deserved. But if you remember the Great Commission, do you remember the Great Commission? To go, therefore, and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and instructing them everything that I have taught you, right? You remember, remember the Great Commission? Do you remember the words just before that? This is post-ascension in Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 19, 18 through 20 is where we find the Great Commission. But if you remember the words of Jesus right before he's going to ascend into heaven, he tells his disciples, those gathered around him on the mountainside, he says, what? And this is, you know, post-resurrection. So Jesus died. He was buried on the third day. He rose. And, and for 40 days, he spent you know, spending time with his disciples and instructing them, preparing them because he's getting ready to go. And then the comforter, the helper, the Holy Spirit is going to come. And then the Holy Spirit is going to empower and equip the church to take the gospel all over the world. But if you remember what Jesus said right before he said go, he wanted to remind his disciples by all authority, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to him. That's what Jesus said. He said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. So if we believe that, we understand that Jesus possesses all authority. All authority. So if, if, I don't think Jesus would because he wasn't as as petty as some of you you and I are. I'm not calling you petty, but sometimes you might be. Um, You know, like I do to my girls when I... You know, those Oreos right in their face. I wonder if Jesus sometimes wanted to look at those religious and say, Do you hear me? All authority. Did you hear that? All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. So there's two things that are so important for you and I today. So important that we understand, that we truly comprehend, and that we carry for the rest of our lives. Because of the authority that Jesus possesses, we see two things that are possible for you and I. Regardless of how bad you've been, regardless of how broken you've been, regardless of how sinful you've lived, regardless of how much pain you've caused, regardless of how much suffering you've endured, regardless of how much darkness you've wandered around, two things are true for you and for me. First is this, because Jesus possesses all authority on heaven and on earth, Jesus has the authority to save us from our sin. He alone possesses the authority to save us from our sin. Your tithes amount, your offerings amount, do not pale in comparison to the salvation that Jesus and Jesus alone can offer. So your attendance record pales in comparison to the authority that Jesus possesses to save you from your sin. You cannot give enough, you cannot you cannot attend enough, you cannot confide in other people enough. You only find salvation in whom? Christ. It is the free gift of God from 
whom? From God in Christ that you and I can be saved. So Jesus has the authority to save us from our sins. The second thing is, and we'll discuss them, uh, break them down a little bit more, is that Jesus has the authority then to change your current circumstance. All heaven and earth authority has been given to whom? Jesus. Therefore, Jesus has the authority to save us from our sins, and he has the authority to change our circumstance. Whatever situation that you find yourself in, whatever brokenness you might find yourself in, whatever darkness you may be wandering, whatever addiction you may be facing, whatever temptation you may be struggling with, whatever brokenness you're, you're carrying, whatever chains you may be carrying. So what we see in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ is we see that Jesus became the fullness of sin, He endured the fullness of God's wrath. He died to pay the fullness of our debt. And he rose from the grave to grant us the fullness of eternal life. That is what we see. So I'll I'll just read that again. I wrote that down and I didn't want to mess it up. So I had to read it from my notes. And I I use fullness a lot there. Um, Because, you know, I was like, man, I think this sounds pretty cool. (laughs) So so I want to read it again. In the death, the burial, resurrection of Christ, we see that Jesus became the fullness of sin. He endured the fullness of God's wrath. And he died to pay the fullness of our debt. And he rose from the grave to grant us the fullness of eternal life. In Christ alone. By grace through faith. In whom? Christ alone. Never your works. Never how good you are. Never how helpful you are. Never how kind you are. Only by the blood of the Lamb. Only by the blood. Only by the Lamb that, of God. If you remember John the Baptist, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Do you remember what Jesus went on to say over and over? He said that God so loved the world that He sent His only Son. So whoever believes in Him would never perish but have eternal life. Jesus also said that He did not come to be served, but to what? To serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Jesus also said that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus went on and on about this this uh, temple that he was going to destroy and then build back. He went on and on and he prepared his disciples for the moments that he would be arrested, the moments that he would be crucified, but that they could have confidence that he had overcome all the world. So that we might have tribulation, we might have trials, we might have pain, we might have heartache, we might have sufferings, we might have uh, storms of this life, but we can take heart that regardless of what we see, we can walk confidently by the blood of the Lamb that you and I may be saved. So our sins lead us to separation from God, but Jesus endured the fullness of that. Therefore, we can have the fullness of the life because he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that in him we can become the righteousness of God. So you and I can actually walk confidently because we realize that Jesus has the authority to save us from our sin. Therefore, if we have called upon no other name given to heaven but him, we can be saved. If we believe and follow him, you and I are not lost anymore, but we are to be. Because Jesus said that he came to seek and to save the lost. I have to tell you, I was lost. I have to tell you, at one point or another, you were lost. You were lost. You were broken. 
But if you are here today and you are a disciple of Christ, if you are a follower of His, if you are a Christian today, you can walk confidently the rest of your life because He has saved us. Therefore, because He possesses the authority to call me now His child, no other person or enemy of mine has the authority to say whatever they want. They have no authority to actually hold that over me. So the devil can try to remind me of what I once was, and you all might have thoughts or beliefs or opinions about me, but you have no authority over me. The devil has no authority over me. So you might have been the addict, but because of Christ, those chains can be broken. You might have been the adulterer, but because of Christ and his bloodshed, you can be the redeemed. You might have been the the wandering sinner or the prodigal son or daughter that came back and and you were broken. You were you were filled with sin and you were just comfortably living and you were drowning in it and you were indebted to sin and you were held captive to it. But I just want to encourage you because maybe you need to be reminded because, you know, what I've realized about my kids is I tell them one thing. And then like three seconds later, they forget and I have to tell them over and over and over. And I realize I'm the same way. I need to be reminded on a daily basis that I am now under the authority of no other name but Jesus. Therefore, I am not under the authority of the, of the devil. I'm not under the authority of anything or belief or posts that might be directed at me or an attack towards me. Because you, people can say whatever they want whatever they want. They can think whatever they want about you. The devil can try to do whatever he wants. If you are under the blood of the lamb, you are under the authority of Jesus. And there is nothing this earth can possess that would ever separate you from him. Therefore, I am, because of Christ, redeemed. And I will walk confidently declaring that. And I will let every enemy know. And I will tell the devil every day if I have to, to to kind of boost myself up in times because we all have those days where we just feel down and out and we've, we've felt disappointed in ourselves because we've let the Lord down. But I am redeemed. And because of the authority that Christ possesses, I am born again. Because of the authority that Jesus possesses, I am now saved. Because of the authority that Jesus possesses and only He possesses, I am His Son. And because of that, I will praise him forever and ever and ever. And I don't care what opposition we face, you and I can praise the Lord our God each and every day. Why? Because he has saved us, he has redeemed us, he has made us new. And now we have no other hope in this life. We have no other authority over us. We have everlasting life. As Brian mentioned, there is heaven to look forward to. And I don't care what he says, we're all going to be fit in heaven. Because he's making all things new. I'm, sun's out, gun's out when I get there. All right? <laughs> uh, the son of the Lord, I, I say. Um, but we are going to be there. And I'm going to be face to face with my Savior one day. And I'm going to be able to worship him for all of eternity. Why? Because he saved my soul from hell. And I don't have to endure the wrath of God because he and himself endured every ounce of it. Therefore, I can proclaim with confidence that I am saved from it and I will walk confidently. And now the second point is that Jesus possesses the authority to change the circumstance that we find. Oftentimes you'll read the gospel accounts. You remember the paralyzed man that was lowered in through the roof I mentioned earlier? What did that man do after he came into contact with Jesus? He walked out. You remember the man with the withered hand and he was afraid to show his hand? Jesus said, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out. And his withered hand became made in full. You remember the, the woman with the issue of blood who t- just touched his garment? You remember what happened? Her issue ceased. You remember, man, we could go on and on. 
Jairus' daughter, who everyone thought she was dead, but Jesus said, no, she's just asleep. Uh, the, the dead girl was raised to life. Do you remember Lazarus, who was buried in a tomb? And then on the fourth day, Jesus shows up, and he says, Lazarus, get out. Funny joke. No, I'm just kidding. But Lazarus, come out. Do you remember, I mean, we could go on and on. Do you remember the woman at the well who, who'd been married five times and then was married, living with number six? Let me just give you a word of encouragement. Uh, after five, just stop. All right? <laughs> just, just stop. It, it was good while it lasted. Just give it up. This woman married five times, living with number six, and Jesus sets her free from the, 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 just the need of personal affirmation that she was looking for in everyone other than him. Jesus gives her hope. We could go on and on and on and on about the numerous instances where Jesus and someone else come into contact and whenever they left that interaction, their lives were changed. Changed. The dead were raised, the blind were given sight, the crippled and the lame were able to walk and to live again. So this is what I want you to know. The authority that Jesus possesses is of such authority that he and sometimes he alone are able to change all of it. In ICU rooms, two weeks ago, changed all of it. In hospital rooms, you'll see he can change all of it. In, in counseling with someone that you do not think you could ever truly get along with or love again, he's able to change all of it. With those kids that are living in rebellion and just wandering around in sin and you think there's no hope and you've tried everything you can and, and you've prayed and, and you've ministered to and you've encouraged them and you've comforted them, there's going to be times where he possesses the authority and only he will bring that child back and they will be running back to their father and he will be running to them and they will meet. And there's sometimes there's some circumstances that only Jesus possesses the authority to change, but I have to encourage you that he possesses the authority to change all of them. Whether you were sick, whether you were bankrupt, whether you were broken, whether you were hurting, whether you were just wandering around, wondering what to do tomorrow, he possesses the authority to change all of it. So knowing that he possesses the authority to forgive us of our sin, he possesses the authority to change our circumstance. I want to end this message with just a little thought and a question. With each point, one question. If Jesus possesses the authority to truly save us from our sin, have you allowed the opinions of other people or even the opposition of our enemy to discourage you to such a point you might believe in and of yourself, there's no way he would truly love me. There's no way he would really forgive me of that and this and that. I mean, listen, he doesn't just forgive you of the one sin and not the other. He forgives us of all our sin, because the Lamb of God came to take away the sin of the world. All of it in full. Are you allowing the opinions of people? Are you, re- re- are you allowing those poor memories of those horrible choices that you made to distract you from the free gift of eternal life in Christ? Are you allowing the enemy to remind you over and over and over of who you once were? And if so, I just pray that you would find yourself today just asking the Lord to strengthen you and to comfort you in a mighty way so that you would walk out of here declaring who you are now. You may be in Christ, his son, his daughter. And I will tell you this, as a, as a dad, 
There is nothing I wouldn't do to protect my, my babies. Nothing. I got a hundred five five six rounds. No, I'm just kidding. I better be careful what I say. But I tell you what, I, there is nothing I would not do to protect my four girls. There is nothing our Lord hasn't done to protect and to cover and to redeem and to save you. So regardless of what the devil says, he can say what he wants. He has no authority. Regardless of what people think, they have no authority. You can leave here boldly declaring that you are his child. Secondly, he possesses the authority to change every circumstance. So maybe today would be a day that you realize, I need to give this to the Lord. Whatever circumstance it may be, whatever situation you may be navigating, whatever brokenness you may be trying to carry, whatever darkness you may be trying to walk in or stumble through or just get over to tomorrow, I just pray that you would realize that he possesses the authority to redeem, to restore, to reconcile, to save, and and to deliver. He does. So would you possess the faith to believe in him and to make your requests be known to him because he cares for you. He cares for you. So today I just pray that you would find yourself, if needed, calling upon his name. Pray today that you would find yourself, if needed, just laying this down at his feet and asking him, Lord, please do what only you can do and believe in your heart, confess with your mouth and know in your mind that he is capable of doing all things. Let's pray.